Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Be sure to check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like, share, and subscribe to uh, the podcast The podcast here. Uh, you can like our Lions and Tigers um, and everything else on my podcasts uh, through the Facebook page if you want to do that. Um, you know, that would really help us out. Speaking of help, we are looking for Michigan writers, look for an or Michigan contributors looking for an additional Tigers one as well. So uh, go ahead and uh, reach out to me, reach out to Ryan, reach out to whoever you want to. That's part of this. And uh, we'll make sure we can get you hooked up and, uh, you know, we'll uh, go from there. But we are going to be talking about some Michigan State football today. Ryan is with us. He's covering the Lions. Uh, Went from covering a must-win game last week to a, oh, please don't lose the one this one against Patricia Patricia this week game. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but if Matt Patricia's offense dices the secondary the way Geno Smith did, uh, I think that's going to be the first SOL moment in uh, Dan Campbell's career. Yeah, I mean, last week was pretty bad, and the week before was bad, but uh, they lose to Matt Patricia, who's the OC in New England now. Uh, that's a special type of awful. If you well, that game. well, it gets even worse because he's not technically the OC. Because if he became became the OC, the Detroit Lions no longer pay him on top of what New England is, and so he is not technically the OC yet because that way he can keep making money from Detroit. Yeah, but he's calling so, plays there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Lions would be paying him to beat them with a third string quarterback. Is essentially what that would come down to. A th- sorry, a third string rookie quarterback from an air raid offense in college. Um, so <laughs> hopefully that does not happen. The thing about the Lions, though, yeah, Tracy Walker's hurt and uh, Romeo Quara are, but you can't really blame their defense on injuries. You can kind of do that with Michigan State because, I mean, you know my Darius Snow love that. He just had so much versatility to uh, that position and everything else. Uh, Xavier Henderson, you know, he brings to the table, even though I think he's a little overrated. Uh, but Jacob Slade, he went down. Guess what else went down? Jacoby Winman's production. Like, so you can look at all of that type of stuff, but that doesn't change a thing. And I don't think any of those guys are going to be playing this Saturday. Michigan State's going to get absolutely shredded by Ohio State. <laughs> They they gave up a ton of yards to Mo Ibrahim and made Tanner Morgan look like John Elway. I honestly, Ryan, do you see any way they win this freaking game? No. Next question. question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't do that. You Ohio State is slightly improved defensively. They turned really aggressive. Um, in the way that they do it, you're not moving the ball because you think Kenneth Walker is back there, so you can still run on third and threes and third and fours like you did all last season and you got away with it. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I was looking forward to it at the beginning of the year, and it's like, you know what, they're still probably going to lose by double digits. Uh, I, no matter what it is, I might take Ohio State, lay the points. Spoiler alert, I'm still doing that. Um, I don't see this. I don't see this Michigan State team even keeping it close. I remember uh, a friend of mine, 
and, and uh, I mean, we went to the Michigan State Ohio State game during the John L. Smith years, and I walked in, and I don't know what it was. It was some sort of out of body experience. Like I felt for a split second when I walked in, like up in the horseshoe, and that, that's kind of what this is going to be like this weekend. But my my next question for you, and something that I did want to talk about, kind of skipping around here, and we'll come back to that. But uh, Kenneth Walker, you know, we talked. To, I just mentioned, hey, you keep running on third and three, like Kenneth Walker's back there to bail you out. That's not the case anymore. But a lot of people are also crediting K9 with Peyton Thorne's success. And if anyone's listened to the podcast over the last two weeks, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse. That's why I wanted to bring you in is to get somebody else's opinion who's knowledgeable about it. How much do you think that's true? I think it's somewhat true, but I don't, I think it's kind of ridiculous to put all of his success on Kenneth Walker uh, being here last year. Um, yeah, it opened up the play action game more, but I don't I don't think that Kenneth Walker contributed to every single bit of success that Peyton Thorne had last year. And I get Thorne's kind of struggled. I don't think he's completely healthy. It sounds like he wasn't practicing uh up until last week. So he's kind of been behind the eight ball. I I, I just don't think that's fair. Well let, let me drop this on you. I he helped because he sustained drives, which obviously gives a quarterback more of an opportunity to make a play. You know what I mean? When you're running on third and three, when you're running plays short of the sticks on third and ten, which he did three times against Minnesota, the first two reads were short of the sticks on two different occasions. But you're running on third and three, you're getting bailed out by Kenneth Walker, and that's opening things up. And now you're – this is very Dave Warner-esque with Connor Cook. And, like, what I mean by that is Peyton Thorne is either, you know, forced to hand the ball off on third and three, or he is on third and ten forced to make a play. And – you saw it last week, and you've heard me, and you've seen my Facebook rants and everything else. Play Elijah Collins and throw first. And Michigan State did that, and it looked like, okay, hey, we're in the middle of a shootout. Uh, def- the defense finally got a couple stops in the second half, but then you went back and reverted back to what you did, what you did last season where, like I said, Walker bailed out Jay Johnson, not necessarily Peyton Thorne, and then – what you've been doing this year, which hasn't worked at all. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I some of the play calling has driven me nuts. Like, I, 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 there are a couple third downs, like you said. There's a couple I can think of in the Maryland game where they threw like two, three yards short of the sticks. I'm like, what in the actual hell is going on here? I, 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 I do think Thorne. I'm not is down on Thorne as some people are like, some people are like, Oh, it's take him out throw the backup in. Yeah. Because putting in Noah Kim for his first start against Ohio state sounds like a great idea to boost the guy's confidence. Just genius <laughs> thinking there guys. Um, I, I, I think that Thorne, uh, I don't think he's like, I think it's fair to kind of compare him this season and maybe he'll pick it back up, but this kind of reminds me to an extent and it's not quite as bad 
of Lewerke's, like, sophomore to junior year, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, Lewerke was really good at sophomore year. But he did. I mean, he didn't have a guy like Kenneth Walker on his team. But he he was really good at sophomore year. And then I think Thor. I don't think, like I said, I don't think Thorne's completely healthy. And Lewerke obviously was not completely healthy his junior year. Um, and he kind of took a step back. I I think that this that's kind of similar in this way. And we'll see what happens next year. But like this, the the, the project, the trajectory for me, it seems kind of similar to that. If that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it does. And I think Peyton Thorne's a guy who, look, when he comes back next year, because he's going to, um, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think uh, the relationship with Karen Coleman, um, you have other receivers. There's supposed to be some, you have Jeremy Bernard, who's going to be there, will probably be the number two. Um, you know, uh, then you have uh, this uh, red shirt that I'm excited about. Uh, his dad was a pretty good tight end in the NFL in, in uh, Antonio Gates Jr. So, I mean, I like Thorne will still have the weapons available next year. It's just a matter of, I look, the play calling, I think, has got to change. It's got to help him more. You can't be so reliant on a certain player, whether it's Berger or K-9 or even Peyton Thorne to where, or excuse me, Peyton Thorne or uh, Jalen Berger to where, oh, yeah, I'm just going to revert to what I did with Kenneth Walker because it worked last year. It's not going to work this year. you got to change things up a little bit. You have to adjust for the talent that you have. Yeah, and I do agree with you. This is kind of reminiscent of uh, here after Connor, the, 20, the disastrous 2016 season when after Connor Cook left, they were calling plays as if Connor Cook was still the quarterback, and that was not the case. So I, I that it's kind of similar in that regard. Yeah, and, well, I mean, it's no different. I mean, obviously, it's a much lower level, and I did not make the money Mel Tucker made, but, like, you know, I'm coaching freshman basketball. Uh, you're running Michigan State's chess series. I'm setting up a pick and roll for my two guard. I'm not doing it. I'm not running that play with my backup, too, <laughs> because he right. did not have the handles my starter did. My starter could play, like, four positions. So, I – like, I'm not running it for him because he wasn't that playmaker. He was a good shooter, you know, credit to him. But, he, like, I don't trust him in those ball handling situations, you know, just sit in the corner and pull trays. <laughs> like, that that's kind of the approach that uh, Jay Johnson needs to take is he needs to use the short passing game, which Peyton Thorne's very efficient at, to supplement the lack of a run game. Another thing they might want to do, which, by the way, I'm really glad Michigan State fans are getting on, uh, you know, the train that I think I started with playing Elijah Collins for. I think if you do those combinations of things, it makes your offense really hard to beat because you still have three talented tight ends. You have three, four talented receivers. You have the weapons available to do it. It's just he's not doing it, and it's driving me up the wall. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Collins only got five carries last week, and uh, I think this week he just needs to straight up start because at this point, what do you have to lose? I mean, yeah. he, he's got another year. I, I think doesn't Broussard? He does. Broussard also, I, I, he can come back, I believe, because of the COVID year. I think he has another year. Like, right. He wants to come back. Um, us too, but I, I, I'm to the point where Collins is the most important guy when he's in. What? I said Broussard can go. 
Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of <laughs> the point. I'm kind of that point too. Um, but all three of these guys could come back next year, which is my point. Um, so you might as well just play play the guy that's been the most effective. I get that he doesn't have a huge sample size this year, but we've seen him. We, I mean, I get it was three, four years ago and. He had that freshman season, but you might as well just see what you got because he's been yeah, the most. He, he had nine hundred and eighty-eight. He had nine hundred and eighty-eight yards and ten and a half. Yeah, right. And like that, that's behind, a lot behind, behind a behind a bad offensive line. Uh, in yeah, 19. yeah, yeah. And this this line has moments, so where it's decent. You know, people right. give the line a lot of crap. I, you know, the biggest problem to me is you shouldn't have a center committing like eight illegal snap penalties when you're like a third of the way through the season. But other than that, I mean. They, they don't create massive holes, but you can shimmy through them. You know, Elijah Collins proved that last week against Maryland defense that is slightly improved. You know, it's not it's not Ohio State that you're facing this weekend. It's not going to be what Michigan was last year or anything like that. But it's not the worst offensive line in the world either. And I think people just are a little too hard in regard to that. You know, some of the penalties need to – stop because that doesn't help Peyton Thorne either but uh, they're not the like I said they're not the worst group that we've seen they're not the worst group over the last decade at Michigan State so I mean you should be able to work with that that's all I'm saying yeah I mean the offensive line there's a couple guys that are there's one guy in particular that's really struggling I think Matt Carrick is having a not good season um but I mean, it, it's the talent isn't great because I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But Jim Bowman and Mark Staten were terrible at their jobs. They didn't recruit well, and yeah. this is what you're left with. I mean, it, it's it it's not it, it shouldn't be the running game shouldn't be as bad as it is. I, I do yeah. agree with you on that. I, and you might as well give the guy that's been the most effective in finding holes a shot. I 100% agree. Yeah. So. Uh... Look, we normally do these shows on Thursday, you know, that way it's still kind of time sensitive to uh, to Saturday and at the same time, you know, gives it time to circulate and breathe and whatever else around uh, social media. But I wanted to do, to do it in the middle of the week this time because Mel Tucker said something on Monday and I wanted to stay, you know, time sensitive to that as well. And I don't think it's fair. And I'll explain why, but I want to get your reaction first to him pretty much begging Michigan State fans not to sell their tickets to Buckeye fans. You know, I kind of actually agree with him on this. Um, The program is kind of – this is the second year that they've had fans. And I'm kind of – like, if this was, like, Mel Tucker's, like, fifth or sixth season, I get, like, people are, like, screw this, I'm selling my tickets, I don't want to watch this, but – I'm, I kind of think you need to show up and support the program because this is in reality year two and a half and it would be a really bad look. I, and I think it might happen, unfortunately, to see the, sta- the stadium half Buckeye fans. I, I don't think that can happen. I, I do think people should not be. <laughs> people can do whatever they want with their, with their tickets. They bought them. I don't like I'm not going to shame people, but I'm kind of with Mel on that, to be honest. Yeah. And. This is why I disagree. Well, f- well, first off, just watching a game entirely in this day and age has completely changed. You know, everybody, people would prefer to watch it at home anyways, for the most part. 
you know, uh, me, my situation, look, you know, when I moved down here, I was still buying season tickets. I was up in East Lansing every Saturday. You got a daughter now. Priorities kind of shifted, you know, being two and a half hours away. It's too much, especially for a situation like me. Like, Like, if I lived where you live, I would probably go. You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I, I would I, just I, go I anyways it. because of my loyalty. But two and a half hours away, you expect me to make a trip to go up there and watch you inevitably get your defense shredded by C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson and, you know, whatever other uh, – whoever it is that you put in the number 80-something jersey to sit in this slot. Like – I'm not going to do it. And I don't think it's really fair of Mel Tucker to even have to ask at this point. I think he did because he knows what Ohio State can do in regards to packing a stadium and a visiting stadium in the Big Ten. I think he said it because of that. At the same time, you should not have to ask your fans to do it because ultimately you, you should be putting out a product that if it's so drastically improved from Mark D'Antonio's last year's, which was seven and six, year in and year out, you were mediocre at best. If it's so drastically improved, which you've done through the transfer portal, which you've done through some of these freshmen that are playing that look really good, Keon Coleman specifically, even though, yeah, I know he's a redshirt, then you should be able to put a product out there to where you don't need to beg the fans to show up. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, 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 and like, I don't want to be fan police or anything, but if, I mean, make your money, man. If you want to sell the tickets, whatever. Yeah. But I, I, if you could sell them to an MSU fan, that's like, I, I, that's the preferred method, method, obviously. But like, if you're well, like, there's, trying. there's two recruiting groups on Facebook right now with, right thousands of people in each one exactly just sell them on there do it there if you can okay now that that i kind of agree with but at the same time if you sell your ticket and you can get more on StubHub or something like that because buckeye fans are going to pay more to watch their team and try to overtake a stadium because they do like to do that excuse me then go ahead and make more money in that regard because Michigan State fans aren't going to be willing to pay much more than face value to go and watch this product. No, I, I, I do agree with you on that. I, and I, I kind of get why Mel did what he did. Like, I understand because it, it's, it'd be a – it's and it might happen, it would be a bad look for, you know, you're in year three uh, – like I, I kind of consider this year two and a half, to be honest, because the COVID. No, it, it, it's year two. It, look, I, I defend Antonio with anybody, but at the same time, Mark Antonio left at a place where yes. this is your roster. Here you go. It was he. He didn't get a chance. Like I, I've seen people. Like, well, this is his third group of kids. He's brought it. No, that's disingenuous. And people that are making this argument, one hundred percent, know that. Because he did not have a chance to recruit the 2020 class at all. That was all Mark D'Antonio's class. That was Mel Tucker had nothing to do with that. That's a disingenuous argument. And second, 
football players redshirt anyways because they're not ready for this. They should be. Not not even to mention that the 2021 class, he had one week of in-person visits until the pandemic shut everything down. So he didn't really get a fair shake at recruiting that class. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I don't like the people and – I, I, we all know who's making these arguments, um, yeah. but but it's just disingenuous. And anybody that with any type of brain knows that it's not fair. I mean, right? Like it's... to kind of go back to my point, like these freshmen, sh- like freshmen should be redshirting, you know, and redshirt freshmen probably should not be playing. Look, if you're a freak of nature like Keon Coleman, go ahead. I don't care what program you're at if you're at michigan state if you're at michigan you're at ohio state keon coleman should probably be playing um you know granted at ohio state he'd probably be four or five as opposed to number two but um like jared mangum should not be playing this weekend no i agree like that that's where it's at i mean you can say what you want about henderson being down and we talked about the injuries jared mangum's going to play Jared Mangum is going to start this weekend against Ohio State's wide receivers. That should not be happening. And, well, I did say Tucker had the benefit of the transfer portal. He should be at least putting a product out there that is competitive this year, especially after last season and what you've returned and what what else you've brought in. The depth is still not there. I think the quality starters are there, but, I mean, you lost, what, your best one, two? There's, there's five at guys least, at, least your be- at least your best three or four defenders. Right. So, I mean, that does change things in some aspects, but there's certain games that you should have still won. Washington was still a game you should have won. Minnesota was a game you should have just been better prepared for. Um, Maryland was a game you should have won. You left seven points out there with special teams. So it's those types of things that have kind of impacted it. I think you need to put a better product out there. You're allowed to lose games here and there while you are building it up in your image. But at the same time, you do have to be competitive in it. I, I agree. And, and I, I said this after the Minnesota game. Michigan State should never get blown out at home by Minnesota. Ever. No. Period. They, it should never happen. And, and Mel, I, I'm, I'm all in Mel's corner. I, I mm-hmm. believe he can ch- ch- uh, turn things around here. I think he's smart enough to realize he's got to make staff, staff changes at the end of the year. I... I do agree with you. There's no way that they should be two and three, especially the way they are two and three and pretty much getting blown out. Uh, in well, they really in reality they got blown out against Washington. Um, they, they, they should be competitive. I hundred, I agree with that. I, I don't have an excuse for that. I get the injuries. Like people are, I've, I've seen, and it's kind of going to go on a tangent here, but I've seen people that are like, well, they shouldn't have, Shouldn't have brought in Brandon Jordan. They should have kept Brown Burden around. They shouldn't have brought Brandon Jordan and Marvin Coleman in. Well, my problem with that take is uh, Michigan State's down three of their top four defensive linemen now. Chris Bogle's out. 
Jacob Slade, arguably the best defensive tackle in the entire Big Ten, out. Maybe the nation. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeff Petrowski, out. So you're giving a guy like Avery Dunn, and no disrespect to Avery Dunn, but I'm sorry. That guy he's should not, not be getting – He's not – no, he shouldn't be getting meaningful snaps right now. That's just not – like, I, I don't – if people think that Ron Burden would have made a difference with how the defensive lines are uh, playing with these injuries – I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, yeah. I liked Ron. I thought he was a good coach, but his recruiting wasn't up to par to what it should have been. And these, I mean, really well here. I think he's, I think he's going to bring a ton of talent. Um, but to make judgments on those two guys five games into a season with a bunch of injuries is just not fair. And kind of people are just looking to find people to blame at that point. Well, let me ask you this. You said something about staff changes. If Scotty Hazleton is around next year. Oh, God. I'm just saying, if he is, how much more time does Mel Tucker get? Because I feel that shortens his leash by at least a year. I I would have to agree with that. I'm all for giving Mel pretty much five seasons based on the COVID season. I kind of, you know. Fair. Like, like, yeah. Um. Yeah, I would almost say if he doesn't if he doesn't make changes to the staff and brings back guys like Hazelton, then we can talk about it next year seriously. But I think yeah. I think that he's I, I would be surprised if those guys are back because I mean he's already made staff changes and one of those guys was his own guy. I mean he basically showed Tillman the door last season, yeah, and roomed him out. So I I, I think he'll have no problem making staff changes at the end of the season. Yeah, the, yeah. I think if he doesn't make that staff change, if Scotty Hazelton comes back next year, I think it could be Mel Tucker's last year as well. I mean, it it obviously would partially depend on how much the offense can carry you, you know, um, throughout the course of a season like it did last year. But at the rate it's going this year, and what Jay Johnson seems to expect from his running backs and his offensive lines, that that just clearly isn't there. That's going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, so we'll talk about this. I'm not looking forward to it. You can tell the excitement in my voice is just an all time high. Um, you know, at least good game, good game to drink for. Yeah. At least, uh, Ryan, I mean, look, you get to cover the worst defense in NFL history, but you also get to cover maybe one of the top five offenses in NFL history if this keeps up. So uh, That's pretty amazing. Uh, You know, they're they're ranked first in uh, scoring offense and last in scoring defense, so that tells you all you need to know. Well, it's insane to me that they're doing this with their offense without St. Brown for some time. Uh, Yeah. Everybody on the – like, the interior three offensive linemen have all missed a game. Uh, St. Brown's missed a game. Swift's missed games. I mean, he's going to miss a couple more. Uh, when you look at all those injuries, you keep scoring the way that you are scoring. DJ Shark was out last week. You were down to your third receiver as your number one, and he was questionable heading into the week and didn't even play the entire game. And they're still scoring 45 points. Yeah. I don't care if it's Seattle or not. That's incredible to me. It's, it's against this the, offense. The, this is against NFL teams. So, yeah, it's not like they're playing scrubs. I mean, yeah, this know. offense, when healthy, when healthy, and that includes Jamison Williams, 
it, it's going to be absolutely even it's going to be even more incredible to watch you know just imagine what it would be like if uh, the guy the Lions are facing didn't run out to all pro defensive backs and Darius Slay and Quandre Dix but I digress <laughs> look uh Look, so you get to watch uh, terrible defenses twice this week. You get to watch Michigan State against Ohio State. You get to watch uh, the Detroit Lions against Matt Patricia and Bailey Zappi. So that should be exciting at least. Um, oh, yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Top tier matchup there. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, I don't care. If the Lions can get a win and go two and three and then get healthy, I'm all for that. Obviously, Nothing's going to help their defense because Tracy Walker's out for the year, and I think that that's a much bigger loss than people are giving it credit for. But, yeah, th- I'm turning this into a Lions thing because they are actually exciting to watch on one side of the ball, you know, whereas Michigan State, I'm excited about Bryce Berenger. I, don't know, I think he can do big <laughs> things this weekend. Um, I think that Kurt Rambis lookalike is going to bring a lot to the table uh, Saturday. So, He'll get a workout if it, you know, hopefully it's not too much to the point where his leg falls off. But we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll recap this Ohio State beat one day. If it's not a beat down, I'm going to be mad because I lost money. I already talked to you guys about that. Ryan, you taking Ohio State late in the points? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. That does it for the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State podcast. For Ryan McComber, I'm Tyler Hayward.